having a strong foundation at home and a strong foundation of self and of your relationships is only going to help you show up for all the challenges you're going to have both in work and in life with your full strength. Right before I sat down to chat with Hitha, her autoresponder was going completely viral on Instagram. I actually didn't even see it on her feed. I saw it on somebody else's. And it wasn't just because she was being totally open about her replies being delayed because of COVID closures at her kids' schools. But in the caption, she calls out how being able to put up a message like that is a privilege. And that stopped me in my tracks. As a mom whose kids had only made it to two full days of daycare and preschool that week, I felt seen. And as a co-founder of a startup, I felt really inspired. Even in my place of privilege as a founder at the company, it can feel super hard to share with the team that I can only work five hours today because Hudson's sick or daycare is closed or there's a doctor's appointment or a dentist appointment, the list goes on. But I know that I have to because it's actually not about me at all. It's about creating a culture where caregiving is recognized as real work. And I want every member of our team to feel empowered to always do what's best for themselves and their families and be open about it. to Work Like a Mother, a podcast dedicated to real conversations with incredible women juggling work, life, and motherhood. I'm Bridget Garsh, co-founder of Neighbor Schools and your host. Today, I'm excited to sit down with Hitha Palapu, mother, CEO of Roshan Pharmaceuticals and author of We're Speaking. Hitha self-identifies as a multi-hyphenate, as an entrepreneur, as an investor, as a writer, and a speaker. Though she's incredibly accomplished professionally, her work like a mother interview convinced me that she's actually human. She's not a superhero with a cape. Hitha details her morning routine with her family, explained how she curates her five smart reads list, which we've linked in the show notes, and shared her tips for getting out of weeknight meal prep for her kids. Hitha unapologetically shares her struggles as a working mom during a pandemic. She uses her privilege to give others permission to speak out and advocate for themselves and their families too. Well, welcome, Hitha. I'm so excited to be able to chat with you today. Thank you so much for having me. I saw the Instagram post. Well, I saw actually Reshma share your post first before you even shared it um, <laughs> or before it came up in my feed. I know obviously you shared it, but Um, I was like, oh no, am I, is she going to be able to make it today? And I was thinking of you with everything that you're juggling. I'm here, you know, it's, um, I can't believe that post, how, how wild, how viral it's gotten, but let's start talking about it. And certainly I'm here to acknowledge the privilege I have in being able to throw something like that up without thinking of consequences. And that that privilege exists. It's, it's really messed up as we're in year three of the pandemic, where people are still expecting us to show up for days, like hours of Zooms back to back to back, while we also need to be doing our actual work 
while caring for the people in our lives, whether it's children you're caring for or elders or other family members, and staying safe and alive during a highly infectious respiratory viral pandemic. So yeah, we're just doing all the things and I am just kind of giving zero fucks right now. I totally hear that. It also feels like at any, I don't know if you've felt this way at all, but it feels like at any moment, I don't know, like today we forgot the health attestation at daycare drop-off. And it, I, I was like, oh my God, the world is collapsed. Like I was like, I can't take another thing. And then I remembered I had to give myself grace and be like, okay, it's not that the health attestation is a big deal, but it's the cumulative impact of all of these things weighing on us day in, day out. For anybody who hasn't seen your incredible post, um, can you just give us a little recap of it? Yeah. So I had just did a screenshot of the autoresponder I put on all my email accounts and it's very short. It just says, hi there, due to COVID-19 related closures in my children's schools, I will be delayed in my response. I appreciate your patience and will respond as soon as I am able. Warmly, Hitha. Now, this is something I, I put up after telling my, my team at Roshan Pharma sending them a similar email kind of saying, I'm going to be a little out of pocket, but if you need me, I can chat in the evenings. Um, after my kids are in bed, if there's something urgent and that's when I'll be responding to most emails and I will try to tackle urgent things as they come up during the day, here are the calls I will be participating in this week that I've, we've juggled the schedule, um, accordingly and yes, (laughs) wish us luck regards to the, and I'm, I'm at, I'm really heartened that my team is basically my father and all of his friends. So many grandparents of children too young to be vaccinated and who have seen their own kids go through this. So I just got a lot of really lovely supportive messages of hang in there. You got this, like, thanks for the heads up. And, you know, I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful that I get to do this, but that very, and I acknowledge this in the caption of, I hope this can be, this script can be a starting point with you and the companies you work at to talk, have a very frank conversation of how we're working isn't working, that all of us are probably have two thirds of the meetings we attend don't need to be meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have enough time to do our actual work. The being thoughtful about asynchronous versus synchronous work and bringing that a little bit more to the forefront and, you know, all the things and, you know, it's, it could start small. I know something I find incredibly inspiring and inspired by when I posted that was my friend, Ashley Spivey. She, um, had a, she delivered a son, a stillborn son, a son who was stillborn, um, last year and made it a point to talk about the fact that stillbirth or a pregnancy loss is often not covered in bereavement leave in a lot of companies. And using this, put together a very short script that she shared on our Instagram stories. And it was a huge moment where people were sending this to their HR departments to talk about why is this not covered and a lot of policies getting changed. Now, what I put up is I think a little bit, it's a really hard reckoning of acknowledging for a lot of employers that 
how they've been working is not the most productive way of working. And that can often seem like an attack. And so something they want to deflect from, but I do hope it starts some honest conversations about what are we, the fact that none of us are operating at our full, at our full strength, that we are exhausted and burnt out and scared and nervous as we entered the third year of this, of there seeming to be no end in sight, fearful for our children and keeping them safe or our elders and keeping them safe or any immunocompromised person in your life. And all of this living with this for so long is causing significant stress that needs to be acknowledged and could hopefully, I would hope, mark the time, time for a change and real systemic change, not just optical. Okay. Well, we'll give you this. We'll give you that remote work. Doesn't work. If you're working the way you did and sitting in meetings all day. So that is my, that is my pontification on the state of work in 2022. Well, and as, as a CEO, right, you have a unique ability to change that and create a culture, um, a different culture within Roshan Pharmaceuticals. I want to get to the whole story of your journey to become CEO, but um, I'll start with, you know, what are some of the things that you're doing differently? What are some of the things that you are working on changing with within the company that are different from the way we used to work? I think it's really important to first just acknowledge like I have my job because of nepotism. (laughs) My father founded the company and early on said, I want to build this with you. This is the last company I'm going to start. He says this now, who knows what'll happen, but I I actually think he means it this time. (laughs) And so I came into a company that was already in existence and a team that had already really been assembled. And, you know, these are people who have been doing their jobs for longer than I've been alive. So it really was giving them what they needed to do to work, learning as much as I can, and then getting out of the way for them to do said work. And I really am thrilled to have had the opportunity to learn and help develop this drug with some of the smartest people in the business. And what I've learned about leadership is it's definitely, for me, it's been generational leadership of how do you steer the ship with people who ostensibly think, you know, generationally and from what we have, the narrative we've been given, you would think they would be the ones in charge. Mm -hmm. And how do you bring a team together? And especially we've always been a virtual company. So COVID didn't really disrupt the way we did business, certainly disrupted our supply chain and lead times and everything we ordered. You know, it wasn't so much what I changed as it is what I learned, but I also knew when to draw red lines to say, this conversation is no longer constructive. If you, there's culture shifts, there's different ways that I do things that some people don't necessarily like, and some very hard conversations and some difficult moments of saying, just because I'm doing it this way does not mean it's incorrect. I am not somehow shirking my fiduciary obligations by doing it in this manner. Mm-hmm. and. What I've learned about myself is growing a thick skin, but also growing a really strong filter in my ears to try to discern from what is constructive 
from what could just be someone having a rough day because this pandemic is weighing on us in a lot of different ways. And so giving people a little bit of grace in that as well. Well, you touched on it just now that um, the company had a huge breakthrough this fall. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, we um, licensed the product to a Europe-based biopharma who is going, who's funding development of the rest of the program and will be commercializing it. And, you know, right when we signed the contract, a family member of mine had a really bad accident, was in the hospital and physical rehab. So here I am, and my book had just come out. So here I am trying to juggle book launch, my family in the hospital, my family at home, and I dropped a lot of balls. And I just want to say, like, I had to, you know, early this year, just last week, have some hard conversations of, I dropped some of these balls here. Like, you think some of these things got delayed because it was a vendor's fault or whatnot. I take responsibility for that. I had too much on my plate. Things got Mm -hmm lost. And it also forced me to reprioritize what does this quarter look like? What does this first half of the year look like? What does the year look like? And it is like things that I had planned to do in my content business. I'm going to have to postpone for a little while because this is my top priority. And maybe I could work on them quietly in the background. Maybe I can have my assistant start to map it out or help me support me in some way, but these are not things I can handle right now. Now, had me had a conversation with my manager over what projects do we say yes to and what don't we say yes to and how do we balance that? So I said, I will, last quarter was one of my most professionally fulfilling ones and personally harrowing ones. And I just wish for more calm (laughs) in 2022 to kind of recover from that. As a parent now, like I remember when I was growing up, how my parents would like sit in the backyard on a Friday night and like have like wine and cheese and crackers and just sit and chat and do nothing. And at the time I thought it was the most boring, like use of time. And I just could not fathom why anyone would want to do that. And now like all I yearn for is the calm, like the the quiet, the ability to sit, the ability to not like feel the weight of the world on your, on your shoulders. And now I totally get it. I mean, such a, uh, a life moment, right. As you get older, you see things in in some ways through your parents' eyes, but uh, I could not agree more with wanting wanting the calm to come. That sounds lovely. Like your parents had it figured out. (laughs) Right. They were good role models in that way. (laughs) I love one of your recent subtitles for five smart reads was Hitha on drug development, racial microaggressions and upping your non-alcoholic cocktail game. Um, It's like... (laughs) such a perfect mashup of current events and culture. Can you tell us a little bit about five smart reads, how you find the time to read and curate these lists? I mean, five smart reads kind of came out of me needing to have still some content creating when I basically wrapped up blogging on Hitha on the go back in 2018. And that was the time I was expecting Rocky, um, very early pregnant, stepping into, formally stepped into the CEO position at Roshan Pharma and was really, things were really getting hectic 
work-wise. And um, I wanted a way to stay connected to friends. And so something I've been doing since Mm. I was in high school is reading the news every single day. I am a nerd. And I figured other people, if I made it easy for them to like get the news in this way where they were already spending time, maybe I would have people to discuss the news with. So Five Smart Reads started in a very selfish capacity. I just was like, I want fellow people to read the news with. My husband and dad are tired of me just sending them, like texting them (laughs) links every single day, (laughs) multiple times a day. And so it started, you know, that fall to crickets. Like, I think I posted for two and a half months with like, extremely minimal engagement, like maybe a couple swipes ups, definitely no responses in the DMs or anything. But then in like November, December, things really started to click and people were really a lot more engaged and were like, the consistency had been established. So mm-hmm. I think when they saw, I'm going to keep doing this, whether you, whatever you do. So they started clicking on the reads. I had expanded a little bit more in the commentary, which I think made it more engaging. And frankly, I'm shocked, but thrilled at the response of it. It's everything I wanted where I try to pick five under underreported or news stories or share underestimated perspectives that you're not getting when you just do a quick skim of the headlines in your New York times newsletter in the morning, or if you're scrolling through Twitter, mm-hmm. you know, or if you're listening to some daily news podcast, it's, important to me to also use this as an opportunity to kind of explain healthcare in as much as I can. So that's always been a priority and ending up as like a casual or um, novice science communicator during this pandemic is not something I ever expected, but something I do take quite seriously to make sure whatever I'm sharing remains accurate. And I think all of us just want to be smarter, but don't want it to be, don't want to be pandered or be talked down to. So this is a safe space to read the news, share your thoughts, share other articles and perspectives. And, you know, all of us being a little bit smarter every single day. Well, and it's digestible, right? Like it's, it's has to fit on like an Instagram story frame. So it forces me to really be thoughtful in the commentary I provide. So you're not only a voracious news reader, but you're also a writer. And you recently wrote a book called We're Speaking, Teaching Women Inspirational Life Lessons Through Kamala Harris's Experiences. Can you tell us a bit about that whole book writing experience? When I say I need like this year to be calm, it's because I spent, you know, much of last year writing this book, then editing it and then promoting it. So I, my first book was how to pack travel smart for any trip in the opportunity came because of the blog, uh, hit on the go. So when I was, when, um, Hachette reached out to me about we're speaking, which was right after the election had been called for Biden Harris, you know, I knew kind of what I was in for in terms of writing a book and promoting a book. The timeline they had in mind was extremely aggressive. So I wrote the book in about two and a half months. I turned it in February 15th, 2021. And it came out October 19th, 2021. Kamala Harris has been a hero of mine from afar for a very long time since she was attorney general of um, California. At the time when I was just beginning my pharmaceutical career, again, thanks to nepotism, I was given a very senior title and role without really that I grew into. 
um, but had me in rooms with some of the leaders of the industry and knowing how to show up in those rooms as myself, but also professional and appropriate and how to start building relationships with these people that I had the privilege to meet. I didn't have much of a blueprint on how do I actually do that. And then seeing Kamala Harris, a woman that kind of looks like me, sounds like how I would like to sound like, provided that blueprint and how to do that as I studied her career and her rise through politics. And so I don't think she ever realized it, but she was my mentor from afar for many, many years. And I had this ongoing um, iCloud notebook in my notes app of Kamala-isms, of Thing, like lines she used in the speech or video clips of how she was in a, in a hearing, especially during her time in the Senate. Hmm. And really, that was the basis of this book. It's like my decade-long study of Kamala Harris distilled with some very tactical, specific tips on how to own your voice, step into power, hmm. be assertive. Um, and it's equal parts professional as it is personal, because I think the two and two go hand in hand, having a strong foundation at home and a strong foundation of self and of your relationships is only going to help you show up for all the challenges you're going to have both in work and in life with your full strength. So that was a really important part of the book that I, I wanted to make sure got across as well. What was the most, this is a very hard question. What was the most powerful lesson you learned and how do you apply it to your own life? Don't be the last is probably the most powerful lesson I've learned. And it's because I have, I have been the first in many rooms and many spaces I've operated in. So it's very important to me to make sure that that door stays open, that tables and chairs are brought into those rooms for all of us to, to claim power. And one of the biggest realizations I had while writing this book is what, what is power and is it finite or is it infinite? And really motherhood kind of had the way it flipped my script on love. And that when you have a second child, it's not that your heart divides, but it doubles. I kind of in studying vice president Harris and in researching for this book, and kind of thinking about history as it has been, I view power very much the same way. Power has always been treated as a finite source, which is why the few that have it are so focused on protecting it versus, I think, utilizing it for the common good. And I truly believe that if power is in the hands of many, it will not be diluted, but it will multiply. That said, I also hope everyone takes a civics lesson to understand what the executive branch can and cannot do and what needs to be passed through Congress and what judicial challenges may come up when laws are passed either by EO or by con or through Congress. So we all should also take some time to like brush up on our civics and maybe watch a Schoolhouse Rock episode or two. <laughs> I love that Schoolhouse Rock. Um, well, you are, you're such a source of, of wisdom and inspiration, not just on your professional front, but also in, in my mind, um, in everything you share with about your family as well. Um, I love your advice on the importance of routine, especially a morning routine. Can you talk us through a typical day in your household? 
Yes. I'll walk you through what today was like for one. Um, I actually managed to resist the temptation to hit snooze this morning. Thanks to like a very strong CBD sleep gummy. I took last night. I had a great night's sleep. Um, woke up immediately, like washed my face, threw on some workout clothes, got in a quick meditation. And then went straight to, we have a home gym to the home gym where my husband was wrapping up and like got in the workout that I had planned for. And already I felt like a million bucks. Oh, and before I went down to the workout, I drank some, I make hot lemon water and put it in a corksicle tumbler the night before. So right when I wake up, it's like the perfect drinking temperature. So I chug that first thing in the morning. And then I drink um, an athletic greens before I work out just to like kind of wake me up a bit and then got in, I'm trying to do more strength training. So I did the first workout in Peloton's beginner strength series or um, program, came back up, um, drank a protein shake, Roe was awake. My husband had made him some waffles and some milk for breakfast. Not the most nutritious, but guys, this is real. Like the kids only eat an Eggo that's all about, or a bagel. That's all I can get in them in the morning. And I'm just going to go with that. So stuffed breakfast, made sure he was eating breakfast, took the world's quickest shower, went back to the kitchen, gathered him up, went to his room, logged into Zoom school. I brought my laptop in and some water and some coffee and like, oh, I'll get my work done. Two minutes in, he goes, it's okay, mommy. I got this. And I was just like, Okay. okay. <laughs> I guess so. So I just like sat outside of his room, like literally like created my little office right outside of his door and kept peeking in to make sure he was paying attention, but he was. So I, um, my husband hadn't showered yet. So I took over with our younger son and, um, threw on Coco Melon and Shark Dog while my husband showered. And before our nanny came and Rocky sat with me like partially while I was on a work call. Um, <laughs> and jumped in a little bit, Zoom bombed everybody. And then halfway <laughs> through the call, my nanny did come. So I ran to my home office and finished the call with my full attention there. Grabbed a quick snack, um, came back to my desk and prepped for our team's weekly call that we have as like a big check-in call. Did the call, wrote the meeting minutes, sent them out to everybody, had a follow-up call with one of my team members. Then finished up a little bit more work, ran, down, ran back to the kitchen, heated up last night's dinner leftovers and ate that for lunch and chatted with my husband. My son came down. I yelled at him. Then I realized he was on a break. Then I apologized <laughs> to him Then ran back up to have this conversation. And then I have a couple more things I need to finish up for the day. I um, will go down and make dinner. I have a blue apron waiting for us because, and it's a pasta because I feel like on days like this, you need to give yourself the comfort food. Mm -hmm. I am doing dry January this month. So I'll make myself a little mocktail just to kind of, it's a nice mark of workday is over-ish and time to relax a bit. So I'm going to whip something up that goes with pasta, um, cook dinner, I like to leave my phone in my room when it's like dinner time with the kids so we can be present and I'm not distracted, which I have no control when it comes to like my self-control when it comes to my phone. So I just know to better to keep it in the other room. We'll hang with them. Our nanny will give them a bath and then we'll do bedtime with them. Maybe we'll watch something tonight and I'll probably fall asleep by like, I'll read in bed for a bit after getting ready for bed and then I'll fall asleep by 
10 o'clock, 1030 and wake up at 6am and do it all again tomorrow. Well, I'm like you. And in the sense of if my phone is near me, I just have no control. You mentioned something called a forest app. Yes. I love that app. Can you, can you tell a little bit more about like how it works? Yes. So it's basically this app acts as like a Pomodoro timer. So Pomodoro is the method of it's 25 minutes of extremely focused work, five minutes of a break, and you work in those types of sprints. The forest app is basically a fancier Pomodoro timer, except with every cycle you complete, you plant a tree. So over time, you can build this beautiful forest and inside the app. But if you close out of the app while the timer is still active, you kill your tree. So as someone who like feels guilty about those kind of things, it's extremely effective for me. So I need to like literally lock myself out of my phone when I'm in focused creation mode. And yeah, it's one of the only apps like I've been consistent about using that. I mean, it got me through book writing. It's gotten me through a lot of the big creative things I do. So I'm trying to utilize it more in the day-to-day to continue to stay focused. And I notice when I do use it and I'm not so distracted by my phones, I can tend to wrap up like my offensive work and the big projects mm-hmm. in half the time it normally would have taken me. And so I'm grateful for, for that. Oh, amazing. I can't wait to try it out. I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, well, thank you so much for spending time with me today. I have loved chatting with you. I also have some rapid fire questions for you. Yes. Okay. Let's do it. What's one piece of mom gear you can't live without? I mean, hand sanitizer in this day and age. (laughs) Fair. Who do you love to follow on Instagram? I mean, tanks. I'm just like everybody. I am an aspirational. I want to be a rich mom, like the way she writes them. I think I'm just want to be rich mom. (laughs) All right. What's one mom hack that makes your life easier? Not cooking for my kids and relying a lot on Dr. Prager's and Little Spoon and Annie's like organic all and any food startup that's making kid food a little bit healthier. Like, so eat snow days, pizza bites and the new goodles, uh, mac and cheese. Yes. Give me all of those. And what's on your nightstand right now? A lamp with a burnt out light bulb that I haven't replaced in probably a year. Um, a pile of books my Kindle, my Apple watch charger, my aura ring charger, and a selenite like crystal stick that a friend of mine sent me to absorb bad energy, like, or bad dreams, like when I'm sleeping. Incredible. Well, thank you so, so much for all of your support. And thanks for joining the podcast today. And it's been really wonderful meeting you. Thank you so much. Take care. See you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Work Like a Mother is produced by Neighbor Schools. Neighbor Schools is a startup in Boston that I co-founded in 2018 to help parents find daycare. As a first-time parent, finding childcare can feel scary and intimidating. At Neighbor Schools, we help you find daycare you'll feel really good about 
so you can go back to work with the peace of mind that your little one is getting the socialization, support, and stimulation they need to learn and grow. We've helped thousands of moms and dads figure out the daycare search. Check us out at neighborschools.com. And when you get in touch, mention that you discovered us on the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. We'll see you next time.